and David and I, Brother McGovern, I call him David, have become great friends over the last three and a half years, four years, as we surf together on the, for the Southern California Youth Department. And uh, I recognized almost immediately that on the youth board, David was the E.F. Hutton voice, and that uh, when David spoke, everybody wanted to hear what he had to say because there was gravitas, credibility in his words. And uh, his commitment and his anointing was evident. And as I got to know him better, realized, discovered some of the things he had gone through in his life and faced, and how through all of that, God had brought an anointing and placed it upon him. And uh, I'm excited today to bring my friend David McGovern to minister the word of the Lord. He has preached uh, and taught at youth camps and youth conventions all around the United States. And he's here with us today. I want you to put your hands together and welcome this great young man of God, Brother David McGovern. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord in Pasadena this morning. And I just love what I feel today. I'm so thankful that I know that. Thank you, Jeff. Y'all don't know. But you know Jeff. So you probably know. Jeff's my buddy. I love him. Hey, Amen. I just owe him a little bit of a. But I will, probably won't do that today because I'm here to preach the word. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, so good to know that no matter where you are. Uh, you can find an apostolic church and feel the presence of God and see people worshiping God. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. Amen. It's good to be with dear friends. I just echo um, what Brother Brown said, Pastor Brown. He's just such a good friend of mine. And him and uh, Sister Brown are just wonderful people. And uh, we, we had such such a blast on the youth board together. And uh, it's a new day on the youth board. And um, Brother Brown has, has um, ridden off into the sunset of district youth work, and uh, and I miss him though. Um, he's just he's a riot, you know him, and he, he's just he's just fun. And we have a lot of memories and stories we could tell about camps and conventions and youth congresses and board meetings and good good times. And uh, it's just good to be with him. I love his spirit and uh, love his leadership, and so much appreciate his family. Amen. And uh, y'all are blessed today for to have the Browns as your senior pastors in Pasadena. Amen. These are good people. Good people. Amen. In the book of Hebrews this morning, chapter number eleven, and uh, it is it is nine eleven. That what a moving tribute today by Pastor and a great video that we saw. I'm just thankful though that. The Lord does not always give us understanding. You realize that. We have a lot of people in this world who spend everything they have in search of understanding. I mean, they'll spend, they'll spend, I was, I'm furthering my education actually, and I was looking into USC to, uh, you know, just to see what it would cost. And for me to finish up there would be $120,000. And I'm like, man, that's expensive. That's pricey. People spend a lot in search of understanding. And uh, I know people who I talk with and I work with and counsel, and, and they spent tens upon tens upon hundreds of thousands on, on counseling even 
sitting on a doctor's chair trying to find understanding why things happen the way they happen and why he left and why she passed. And You know, I'm so thankful today that God doesn't always give understanding, but he promises a peace. And the thing about the peace from God is this, is that it passes understanding. And so what people will spend thousands and hundreds of thousands on trying to understand situations, God just says, in one moment in my presence, I can give you peace. And the peace that I can give you passes any understanding, passes any level of knowledge, passes anything that you can wrap your mind around. There's things that happen in this world that you will never understand. There are things that have happened in my life that I simply will never understand. But I'm thankful today that in His Word there's a peace. And symbols for effect. Thank you today. I appreciate that. I'm thankful that there's a peace that passes understanding. I'm thankful that as, man, as we watched 10 years ago, it doesn't seem like 10 years, but 10 years ago, it's Oh, a sophomore in college and, and on my way to classes and, and begin to, to hear, not on my, actually, no, I, I take that back. I was sleeping and my mom woke me up. I had to get ready for class and my mom woke me up and, and she said, you've got to hear what's going on and turn the radio on and try to get online. And back then it was, you know, dial up and remember that. And, uh, can it, can it get online? On my way to college, decided to just drive off, went to a Target and big screens everywhere and, and watch as the first tower fell. And, and I remember just looking around. There was probably 150 or 200 of my neighbors in that Target. And nobody could understand why this was happening. But, man, I just remember a peace coming over me and, and God just reminding me, we don't always understand, but I can, I can give peace. And I remember that that Wednesday, the next day was Wednesday. This was, I still lived in the, in, in, in this area over in Oxnard and, and, uh, that, that Wednesday night, I've never seen a big crowd on a Wednesday night. And there was a big crowd on a Wednesday night that night. Unfortunately, we forget what happens sometimes, man. Right when that happened, everybody wanted to be in the house of God. And now Wednesday night's probably back to normal. I pray we never forget. And, uh, whatever drives you to the house of God, whatever, drives you to the presence of God. Let that always be in your remembrance. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number one, it's, it is late. I need to just, I need to just hurry. Uh, Hebrews 11 verse number one. Um, I guess we, we know this scripture. I never, I never say scriptures familiar. I always heard that familiarity breeds contempt, so I don't want to get familiar, but it is a well-known passage of scripture. Um, some call it the hall of faith. You've probably heard it several times. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. If there's any young people here today going back to school, that's a word for you. Some things just require faith. Science and the word of God are not at odds with each other. There's just a level of faith when you can understand that the world was framed by God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained 
bearing witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through him being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith it is impossible to please god for he who comes to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him most of you probably could quote most of this by faith noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen moved with godly fear before he ever saw rain prepared an ark for the saving of his household he'd never even seen rain before by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith by faith abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to the place from which he would receive as an inheritance the land of his fathers it was everything he knew and everything his promise and everything his provision and every his future and god called him to leave and he went out not knowing where he was going i want to preach today amen for just a few minutes if you'll get anybody going to preach with me today amen Amen. I know I've been places where everybody gets with it in the music and the second the preacher gets up, it's just like, I got with it with the music. So get with me in the preaching. Amen. Amen. By the way, phenomenal music, Sister Tamara, just a great, great a spirit of worship in this place. And y'all are a little bit crazy. You know that? But that's a good thing. Amen. That's a good thing. That's what this world is looking for. I believe that. I believe that. I believe this world's tied to churches that are trying to fit into the world. I believe this city is looking for a church that they can come in and say, man, you guys are different. There's just something different in this place. Amen. Let's pray together. Great God, we ask you today to order our steps this morning as we endeavor to follow you, to experience you, and to exalt you in our city. God, I pray that you would speak to us for our ears and our hearts are open to you, both to will and to do. God, moving forward from this service today, don't allow us to forget what we have heard and experienced, but God, remind us and instigate us and convict us until what we hear becomes what we do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you for standing with me for an extended period of time. You can be seated this morning. I believe that I just watered the plants, but I, I think they're fake. I believe that if you are here today, that it is not a coincidence. I believe that God is calling you. I believe that if God is calling you this morning, that he has a plan and he has a purpose and he has a will for your life. And I believe that if God has a plan and a purpose and a will for your life this morning, that that by God's own nature, that God wants to do the impossible through and by your life. And I'm preaching this morning on this thought, stepping into the unseen. And I don't believe that God is calling a church to maintain some sort of spiritual status quo. And I don't believe that he is calling a church and calling a generation to remain dormant and complacent and lethargic and average and mundane and boring and weak and insignificant because the God that I know in scripture is not dormant, but he's alive. He's not complacent. He's jealous. He's not lethargic. He's all powerful. He's not anemic. He's forceful. He's not average. He's supernatural. He's not mundane. He's spontaneous. He's not boring. He's adventurous. He's not weak. He's mighty to save. He's not insignificant, but he is the source of all things. And without him, there is nothing. 
That's the God that I know when I read the Holy Scripture. That's the God that we worship. That's our God. That's Jehovah God. That's Yahweh God. That's I am that I am God. That's our God who opened his mouth and worlds were formed and entire continents were shaped and mountains of unknowable amounts of dirt and earth shot up into the heavens on one word from our God. And oceans were filled and formed on one word from our God. And galaxies were separated on one word from our God. And stars and moons and universes and planets and suns were hung on one word from our God. He is a God of creativity. He is, there is nothing dull in the nature of our God. He doesn't do average artwork. He, he doesn't even do great artwork. The Bible says he is the master. And every piece from him, therefore, is a masterpiece. And everything he speaks and everything he breathes and everybody he calls and everything that he does is majestic and inspired and matchless and worthy and awesome. There's no God like my God. There's no God like my God. And if he is a God of adventure, and in his nature is nothing timid, apprehensive, or fearful, he doesn't do boring. He doesn't play it safe. Since the day that the earth was without form and without void, God began orchestrating the unthinkable and creating the uncreatable and calling the uncallable and loving the unlovable. And our God is on an adventure this morning of, of epic proportions. His ways are above our ways and, and his thoughts are above our thoughts. Yet his call today is for you and for me to throw caution to the wind and step out and join his adventure. So if I'm right today in my belief that God has called you and I I know that I am this morning, then it stands to reason that the same call that is going out today to this generation of apostolic people is the same call that went out to Moses and Noah and Abraham and Peter, that this God of creativity and imagination and adventure is calling a generation, a church, to step out of your comfort zone, to leap past your, your familiarity, to jump into the deep end, to venture out from the cozy parameters of the familiar and into the awesome unknown. Unknown. you got to believe this. He has called you today. I believe it. Look at your neighbor and say, God's called you today. And it's not for anything ordinary, but he has called you to do the impossible this morning. Because when you understand this, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence that you understand that believing the impossible begins with seeing the invisible. And when you see the invisible, when you begin to operate by faith this morning, you begin to understand, you begin to understand who God is and what he has called you to do and what he desires to accomplish accomplished through you and through me. So I'm declaring it this morning. I believe that the call going out to an apostolic church today is for us to make a mission out of the impossible, a mission out of the things that we can't see, a mission out of the seemingly impossible things that will never be done without God doing it. Amen. 
I'm believing him for the impossible. I'm believing God that my parents will be saved. I know they said it's impossible, but I'm believing God for the impossible. I'm believing God that my church will have revival in Los Angeles in the year 2011. I know everybody says it's impossible unless you conform to this world, but I'm believing that it's possible. I'm believing that my coworkers will be reached. I'm believing that my neighbors will be saved. Come on, somebody. I'm believing that my, that my cousins and my brothers and my nephews. Let me break it down. I'm believing that I will overcome this addiction. I'm believing that these chains will be broken. Pastor Brown, I'm believing that this youth group will have revival. I know it's impossible, but God works in the impossible. I'm believing that I can live holy. I'm believing that I can live separated and righteous in the year 2011, young person. I'm believing in it. I know they said it's impossible. I know they said you've got to let everything go. But I'm believing God for the impossible. I know people say it's impossible. But with God. I'm so tired of hearing it can't be done. I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm so tired of hearing it will never change. I'm so tired of hearing it will always be this way. I'm so tired of hearing our church has always been this size. It will always be this size. I'm so tired of hearing we can't reach our cities. I'm so tired of hearing about how big Southern California is. My God, how big is the church? How big is our God? How big is the God of creativity and adventure and imagination? And awesomeness who spoke and worlds were formed. I'm tired about hearing the revivals of yesterday and saying that it's not possible to have an Azusa Street revival. Hello, in the year 2011, I'm tired of hearing about it. I don't believe that the best revivals in Southern California happened 100 years ago on Azusa Street. I'm ready for Azusa Street part two and part three and part four. I know it's impossible, but God is able is able but it'll never change oh ye of little faith Mark wrote it this way everything is possible for him who believes Matthew wrote it this way Jesus looked at them and said yeah sure with man maybe this is impossible but with God all things are possible Luke said it this way for there is nothing impossible with God and Paul said it this way I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength You know, the opposite of believing God for the impossible is believing God for the ordinary. It doesn't take faith to believe in the ordinary. It doesn't take faith to believe that nothing will ever change. It doesn't take faith to believe that you'll never come out. The ordinary is visible. The ordinary is all around us. It's what we see, and that's not pleasing to God. When we operate by what we can see with our physical eyes and even our limited spiritual vision sometimes, when we operate out of what we can see, that's not pleasing to God. It, that God doesn't like that. In other words, without faith, it is impossible to please God without seeing the unseeable, without believing the unbelievable, without approaching the impossible and chasing the supernatural. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Man, that gets me excited this morning, Pastor, because, because anything less than all things is insulting to God. And that gets me excited this morning because I like to, I like to dream big and I like to think I've got a big vision. 
And sometimes I look at what's around me. Sometimes I look at a generation of young people and my flesh thinks they don't want revival. But then God reminds me of the impossible. And he says, listen, without me, that would be impossible. If you try to do this on your own, if you try to get through that on your own, if you try to get understanding of that situation by yourself, with men, it's impossible. But when you mix me into the equation, when you approach the spirit of a living God, when you show up to the church house on a Sunday morning and you fought hell all week, but you get into the presence of God, God looks at what was impossible on Saturday and says it's possible on Sunday. Come on. God's not satisfied with partial victories. I don't believe that. He's not satisfied with halfway there. He's not satisfied with almost overcame. Anything less than all things. Anything less than all things. Anything less than all my kids. Anything less than all my neighborhood. Anything less than all my family. Anything less than all my friends. Anything less than all my finances. Oh. Anything less. There's no God like our God. It's time to start putting more stock in our God than we put in the stock market. It's time to start putting more faith in our God than we put in the doctor's reports. It's time to start putting more faith in our God than we do in what the politicians say in Washington, D.C. They don't even know what they're doing these days. It's time to start putting more faith in our God than we do in jobs and education and careers and possessions and professions and networks and relationships. There's no God like our God. Our God is bigger than peer pressure. Our God is bigger than temptation. Our our God is bigger than your addiction. Our God is bigger than drugs and alcohol. Our God is bigger than pornography. Our God is bigger than worldly entertainment. Our God is bigger than my past mistakes. Oh. Stop wasting your faith on the things you can see. Stop putting your faith in undeserving candidates this morning. There's none good but the Lord. But all I see right now are obstacles and hindrances and, and mountains in front. Great. Because the Bible says the only thing you need to move a mountain is a little bit of faith. The only thing you need to, if you're wondering, I'm using a burp cloth this morning. Have you ever done that? Yeah. I figured. I, I think you get there when you're at the three kid level. You just don't care anymore. I don't know what's on this thing. So pray for me. I forgot my handkerchief in the car, and by the time I realized it, they were already singing the last song, and so I just, <laughs> I, Jesus' name, anoint this coffee. But all I see right now are mountains. Well, doesn't it just take a mustard seed-sized faith to move a mountain into the sea? The last, I don't know, maybe I'm simple in my theology. All I, The only thing I choose to believe about mountains and obstacles is what I read in the Bible about them. I know everybody else around me saying, you'll never move that. You'll never change that. Nothing will ever, you'll never get through this. I just know what the Word says. And the Word says, all you need is a little bit of... Without faith, the substance, the evidence of the unseen, step into the unseen this morning. In our text, we see what many refer to as the hall of faith. It's a, 
It's a brief synopsis of faith-fueled Hebrew heroes. And in its very first va- verse, it makes it clear that faith that the faith that these elders walked by was a walk on the wild side. It, it was truly a walk out of the familiar and a walk into the unseen. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Abel stepped into the unseen in his worship. Church, I believe tonight, rather today, that I know that there are places in the spirit that you simply cannot go until you are willing to step into the unseen in your worship. There's an unexplored territory for you, far off the comfortable parameters of the map that you've memorized. But all some good Christians do every Sunday is circle the same familiar your patterns and territory and land it's what we know it's what we see but God is calling the church to come out from that mentality the Bible says come out from among them and be ye separate maybe the among them could be the person next to you in your chair that's too comfortable in their familiarity in their worship and God's calling you to step out and God's calling you to reach out and maybe you might say well the person next to me is not stepping out that's all right he's calling you come out from among them be separate it's what we see it's what we know but God's calling you to step out in your worship God's calling you to give more now it's getting quiet but it's 2011 and uh, last time I checked my 401k took a dump and uh, last time I checked uh, my bank's going out of business and and and, and last time I checked I've, I lost my house and I lost my mortgage and I'm upside down and they're repossessing my car still God's calling you to step out from what's comfortable and come out in your giving. I wonder what would happen today if there was a church that didn't give according to the economy and didn't give according to what we could see but began to step out into what we cannot see and say I may not have it right now but I'm going to give it anyways. I may not have millions in the bank, but I'm going to help build a church in Pasadena. I may not have thousands in a savings account, but I'm going to help give the sheaves for Christ. Amen. Come out in your worship. Step into the unseen. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. He couldn't see it right in front of him, but by faith, he said, I'm not going to give anything to God that is normal or natural like my brother Cain. I'm not going to sit in the back row, too cool for school, like some young people that I know and some brothers and sisters in the church. I'm not going to act like God's not done anything for me. The Cains might kill me. My friends might cut me off. My family might hate me for it. They may talk about me, mock me, and gossip about me, but by faith, I'm stepping into the unseen. I may have never danced before, but I'm dancing today. I may have never leapt before, but I'm leaping today. I may have sat on a pew for six months and not shouted, but I'm shouting today. I may not have given a dime in the last 18 months, but I'm giving today. I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out. I may never run the aisles, but I'm running today. I never run the aisles like that man back there, but I just might do that today. He doesn't just run. He throws in a twist when he runs. He's stepping out. Saying, you guys can sit there if you want, but he's stepping out. And let me tell you something. 
Who do you think God's going to? I know it's going to mess with somebody's theology, but who do you think God's going to notice this morning? He might trip and fall and split his head open. I don't know. That's okay. We've got anointing oil. We'll pray for him. God will heal him and raise him back up. But he's stepping out. You want to move a God? Get out from what you know. Get out from what's comfortable. Get out from your familiar. Get out from your comfort. Get out from your... Come on. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. You want to move a God? We throw that term around in church. We throw that term around in church like it's loose change. You want to move a God? To the point where we show up to church and we do our, you know, pre-programmed, pre-packaged, memorized worship. And we do all the motions, but we never go anywhere, you know. And we go through all the motions, but there's no movement. But here's the thing. God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. And God is omnipresent. He's omni-thing. Omni-everything. He's alpha. He's omega. Beginning and end. Before time and space, God was and still is. And so maybe what we need this morning is not so much a move of God. Maybe we need a move of us into a deeper dimension in God. I know we don't like that because this is an entertainment generation and we want to show up to the house of God and be entertained and we want to show up to the house of God and unless they sing our favorite song, we're not going to move and unless the preacher says something, you know, totally profound that I've never even heard before, I'm not even going to acknowledge it this morning and we, we just want to be entertained. I've probably been doing youth ministry too long, Pastor. I'm 13 years as a youth pastor, I'm done. No, I love youth ministry. But I'm done with a generation of young people. I just want to show up to church and do crowd breakers and icebreakers and game nights. There's a city that we are trying to reach. There's a world that is saved. There's a world that is lost. I've got lost family members. I don't got time for... Entertain me, pastor. Entertain me, preacher. Entertain me, songwriter. Sing something new today. Come on, sing... You know what we are? We're a bunch of souls sometimes, if we're honest about it. And we hired David to come up here. Not David McGovern, but you know David from the Bible. And we've hired David to come up here and entertain us and soothe our spirits. And and we want to be charmed, but not changed. We need a move of our flesh. And we show up to church, entertain us, entertain us. We do our little Baptist clap, and then we expect God to move mightily on our behalf. We need a move of bones and flesh. We need to stop standing around like a sculpture and start stepping into the unseen in our worship. That's not how it works. We don't show up to church and do our little thing and expect God to move, a move in the supernatural. You say, I don't feel like it. That's all right. Praise him anyways. I always heard there's two times to praise God when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Praise always starts in the physical and ends up in the supernatural. The supernatural has to start somewhere. So whether you feel like it or not, start praising. Will he part the Red Sea? You'll never know until you step into the unseen out of Egypt. Will he knock down Jericho's walls? 
You'll never know until you step into the unseen and march around those walls, even when it doesn't make sense. Will he shake this prison and break these chains? You'll never know until you offer up uncommon praise at midnight, even when it doesn't make sense. Will he restore this temple? You'll never know until you step into the unseen and dance like David danced, even with Mikhail up in the cheap seats criticizing you. Strip off your garments. Strip off your garments, church, of pride and familiarity and comfort. Expose yourself in the presence of God. You want a breakthrough? Step out. You want a rain? Step out. You want victory? You want healing? You want deliverance? You want a downpour? You want a financial blessing? You want revival? You want restoration? Step out of what you can see and into the uncommon, the supernatural dimension of the unseen, the unseen, the unseen. But that's crazy and that's foolish. Why? Because it's not on the little map that you've got memorized. It's time to get rid of the map and get into the word. The word of God says, I'll be with you always, even till the end of the earth. So when you've reached the edge of what you know, and when you reach the edge of everything that's comfortable to you, and you still take one more step, God says, I'm there with you even before you go there. Every place the bottom of your converse all-stars touched this morning, God says, I'm with you even till the end of the earth. But you've got to step out. I wonder how much we miss, Pastor, as a church because we just don't step out. We're just too comfortable with what we see and what's around us. And it looks like just another ordinary Sunday, so we don't step out. But what if we approached it with faith? It looks ordinary, but that's just what I can see with my natural eyes. So I'm stepping into the unseen. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. By faith, Noah stepped into the unseen in his works. God promised him, Noah, rain is coming, so I want you to build an ark, and I want you to save as many people as you can. And Noah said, God, I I don't even see a hint of rain. I, I don't even know what rain looks like. I don't even know what to look for when looking for rain. But if you make me a promise... If you make me a promise, I'm going to choose to believe it even when I don't see it. All my friends can mock me if they want to. And my family can ridicule me if they choose to. And my my, my peer network can criticize me if they want to. It's easy to criticize when you're stuck in the familiar. In fact, it's usually the familiar, isn't it? That breeds familiarity, breeds contempt and cynicism and criticism. And so, you know, it's hard to be cynical when you're stepping out by faith. So criticize me if you want to, but I'm stepping into the unseen and I'm building an ark because God told me to build it. And I'm going to tell everyone that I can about it. 
some of you have been to service after service and, and you've heard message after message and you've been prayed for time after time in altar call after altar call and God has promised you some things. Now it's time to start building. God promised you that you would make an impact in your city. Start building a Bible study. God promised you that your lost family members would be saved. Start building a good witness at home. God promised you that your neighborhood would be saved. Start building a small group. God promised you that revival would happen in Pasadena. Start building a place for revival. God promised you a financial blessing. Start building a lifestyle of giving. But my family's far gone. My school's too too wicked. My neighbors don't want to hear the truth. Just keep building. Just keep building. You just keep swinging that hammer. My friends are criticizing me. Everybody I know's walked out on this. Keep building. Keep building. Keep building. Keep building. Keep stepping into the unseen. And you can't see it now. But one day, you'll look up. And you'll see a cloud in the sky the size of a man's fist. And then you'll see another cloud. And then you'll see another cloud. And then you'll... What's that? You'll, you'll feel a drop on your forehead and then another drop and then a drizzle and then a downpour. You know why the rain fell? It wasn't because Noah built some large flotation device out of gopher wood, but it was because Noah had the faith to do what God told him to do. Noah was ridiculed. Noah lost friends. He probably got flack from his family members, but he understood well before Hebrews 11 was ever penned that faith without works is dead talk to me about your faith if you're not working don't talk to me about your faith if you're not building working on the unseen requires faith there's hardly room for cynicism and, and critical spirits when hammered pastor I get so tired of people who broadcast non-stop about what they think the church should do and, and look like and sound like and function and self-proclaimed experts on matters of faith and they're not out knocking on doors and building Bible studies and, and they're not out winning the lost and, and they're not rolling their sleeves up and getting their hands dirty in the kingdom. Tweet this, blog this, Facebook that. It's, it's amazing. The loudest boos always come from the cheapest seats. Could you imagine, pastor, if they had Twitter in like Noah's day? Facebook in Noah's day, all his contemporaries who lost their first faith and abandoned the faith that they were reared in, tweeting, blogging, criticizing, Noah, why are you doing that, Noah? What are you doing there, Noah? Why are you building that? What are you doing using gopher wood? Nobody uses gopher wood anymore, Noah. You don't have to do all that. You don't have to still believe that. You don't have to hold on to that. But Noah said, no, you don't understand. I've got strict instructions from God. And the word says it's got to be 300 cubits wide long and 50 cubits wide and three decks and an outside pitch and windows where God wants them. So criticize me if you want to. Talk about me if you choose to. I'm not doing this for you God promised me rain and so I'm going to keep on building some of you got family members criticizing your lifestyle keep on building keep on building keep on building keep on building some of you criticizing the church trying to build for the kingdom of God pastor keep on building keep on building keep on building keep on building God promised you rain, build an ark. It's on this adventure. God is calling a generation to work, a generation to sweat, to dig, to study, to teach, to preach, to evangelize, to build an ark with God's measurements. 
I can't see it now. I don't understand it all now. I, I can't put my eyes on it now, but I'm just going to keep hammering away on, on this gopher wood until I see a cloud in the sky and a drizzle on my forehead. Keep on building. Brother Steele, I don't know what you're doing these days. If you're still working with young people, I know that probably you've had critics and I know people said it can't be done. And I know everybody said probably all these be that just keep on building. Just keep on building relationships with those young people. Keep on loving those young people. Even when they turn their back on you, even when they act like they don't want anything to do with church, keep on building. Keep on building. Keep on building. By faith, Abraham obeyed and went out. Not knowing where he was going. By faith, Abraham stepped into the unseen in his obedience. By faith, Abraham ventured off the map into uncharted territory. Abraham, get up and leave the Ur of the Chaldeans. But God, this is the land of my fathers. And, 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 and this is my inheritance. And this is everything that I know. And, and all of my comforts are here. And I don't know anything outside of here. And God says, I know. It's okay. Just get up. And go. And Abraham says, okay, God, where am I going? And God says, I'm not telling you yet, Abraham. I just want you to obey me and start walking. And I can imagine Abraham as he began to pass landmarks on his way out of town, perhaps a stone or a bush or a hill, and coming to the place where if he took one more step, it would be the furthest from home that he'd ever been. I can remember as a kid, Growing up on Jackson Street in South Oxnard, California, just outside of Los Angeles, we had a fence in our front yard. And I remember the day that I was allowed to venture outside that front gate and onto the sidewalk there. But I couldn't go into the street, of course, just onto the sidewalk. And the parameters were simple. You could not go further than the fence posts on either side of our property on the front of the yard on the sidewalk. I could go up and down, but... No further. And I can remember for weeks and, 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 and months and, and a long time I rode back and forth and back and forth and, 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 and the width, just the width of our small Southern California front yard back and forth. And I can remember the day that I was allowed to venture past one fence pole on the north side, not the south side. I guess this would be the north side, not the south side because we were only three or four homes away from a busy intersection. So it had to be the north side. And then I could go to the fire hydrant, but then no further. And I, so I went to the fire hydrant back and forth and back and forth. And then, and then I remember I could go past the neighbor's house and, and then it was the yellow house with the brick facade. And then it was the tree at the end of the street. And I just remember the sense of adventure and the thrill of knowing that I was going somewhere unfamiliar and I was leaving uncharted territory. We have some, some great accounts in our great nation of explorers in the Americas. This is the land of exploration and discovery. I love reading about Columbus and Sir Francis Drake and Lewis and Clark and many, many others. This is truly the land of exploration. But they say that there is nothing new to discover any longer. They say that every mountain has been climbed and every continent has been uh, explored and every ocean has been crossed. And so because the face of the earth has been tamed, we begin to set our sights on space and we put a man on the moon and we put a telescope out by Mars. But yet there is still one place on our planet that is yet unseen. It is the final frontier and it's literally right in front of us. It's the ocean. 
We know more about the dark side of the moon than we do the floor of the ocean. Heading down into the ocean, human limits are quickly reached, and I'm coming to a close today. At a depth of 30 feet, the difference in pressure equals the difference between the Earth's pressure and the surface of outer space. At 600 feet, the water is as black as a moonless night. And by 900 feet, our bodies are too compressed to move. Most nuclear submarines would implode before they reach 3,000 feet down, extinguished with the last photons of light from the Earth's surface, from the sun. You drop a fish hook down 9,000 feet into the sea, still less than the average depth of all the oceans. And there's a chance that you'll pull up a species completely unknown to science. The deepest diving whales and their prey, the colossal squid, can go no further. At the very bottom of the sea, more than 33,000 feet down lie the Challenger deeps. Twelve humans have stepped on the moon. None has set foot in the deeps. And only two have seen it. Yet things live down there. Big things. Science tells us that hydrophone arrays throughout the sea from our Navy, listen to the whisper of enemy submarines and can detect the exact frequency of propeller types. And yet none of them have explained the undersea roar that occasionally startles these operators. They say it's biological in origin and its wavelength implies that it's produced by an animal bigger than the blue whale, which is the largest creature on our planet known to man. An eminent Cambridge physicist dropped a deep water probe into the Southern Ocean 10 years ago. And passing 12,000 meters well beyond the diving depth of any whale, it detected something enormous passing underneath it. The ocean covers 70% of this planet's surface and it hosts 97% of its biosphere. Yet we've discovered less than 5% of it. What if? There was a spiritual territory in front of you, church. What if we've been trying to shoot for the moon and trying to reach new heights when really we should be striving for new depths? Oh, that this generation, oh, that a church would have substance and depth. Nothing is unseen to us. We've experienced so much in this generation. It's, and we've experienced so much in such a short period of time. It's, it's like the, the writer of Ecclesiastes he said there's nothing new under the sun but what if there was a depth in the spirit that even sunlight couldn't touch at 600 feet the water is as black as a moonless night at 3,000 feet the last photons from the sun are extinguished yeah there's nothing new under the sun but there's a depth that even sunlight can't reach we've been looking for new heights maybe God's calling us to step out into new depths this morning yeah I know there's nothing new under the sun but what if there's a depth in the spirit that we could step into today that even sunlight couldn't touch maybe there's something new in your walk with God at a depth that you've never been. I've heard enough about reaching for new heights. I've gone to every conference and read every book and, 
and reach new heights, reach new heights. I'm ready for new depths, Pastor Brown. I'm ready for a generation of young people in a church with a desire to go deep into the word of God, to go deep into the doctrine of God, to go deep into prayer, to go deep into fasting, to go deep into evangelism, to go deep into holiness, to go deep into submission, to go deep into obedience, to go deep into separation, to go deep into revival, deep enough to be covered, deep enough to be all the way under. I want our musicians to come today. If we could stand this morning, I'm beginning to wrap it up. I just feel a call going out this morning for a church to go deep. I know that some of you have been around a long time and you probably think you've experienced everything that you can experience in the house of God. But I'm telling you today, there's a depth in the spirit that you have not touched yet. I'm telling you today that there's a blessing from the Holy Ghost that if you would go a little bit deeper. Well, there's nothing new. but That's under the sun. What if there's a depth we could go today? Sunlight couldn't even hit. You think there'd be anything new there? You think there'd be a new blessing there? You think there'd be a new day there? You think there'd be a fresh outpouring there? You think there'd be a fresh wind and a fresh fire there? You think there'd be fresh revelation and you think there'd be a fresh word from heaven today? Maybe if you go deep enough. Maybe if you dig down a little bit deeper. I know it's it's not comfortable. It's already one something, 50 something on a Sunday morning. We've got restaurants to go to. We've got double-doubles to consume. We've got lettuce wraps to gorge on. Diet Coke to drink. Let's just stop preaching about that right now. I'm going to get in trouble. I'll lose my audience. But I just feel the call from God tonight, today. Going out right now that He is this God of creativity and adventure he is this God, all power of awesomeness. And, and he, He's not satisfied. I'm just going to be honest with you. He's not, he's not satisfied with where you're at right now. If you're stuck in a rut, it's time to step out from the scene and the comfortable and everything tangible and everything that, you know, you've got a hold on because it's comfortable and you don't want to let go of it. And God's calling you this morning to step out into the unseen. Maybe some of you have spent a long time since you were the first person in an altar. Maybe it's time you step out into the unseen. Maybe there's a young adult here today and you've begun to drift in your doctrine and you've begun to reach for what you think is new heights, but God's calling you right now to a new depth. Step into the unseen. Step into the unseen. I can't see it right now. That's all right. Just step out. You said, but I don't feel like stepping out. Good. That's when you know you should. It's usually when you don't feel like it, it's a good idea to do it. It's usually when you don't feel like praising God, it's probably the best time to praise God. It's usually when you don't feel like coming to an altar, it's the best time to come to an altar. I want to, in fact, I want to open these altars this morning. I want to make an invitation. If there's anybody here today and you want a new depth in your walk with God, I want to invite you forward. And the leadership of this church is beginning to lay hands on you, begin to anoint you, and begin to pray with you.
And I'm believing that God's going to take you in today. you've never experienced the gift of the Holy Ghost today. It's time to step into the unseen. You say, I prayed and I repented. Well, just keep on building. Just keep on building. Just keep on building. Just come up to this altar. Lift your hands to heaven. Throw your voice up to Jesus. Say, here I am again, God. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. I wonder if there's anybody else that would join us up front. Say, so what's so important about coming up to the front? It's a stepping out. It's a stepping out. It's a sign in the physical that you're responding in the spiritual. It's a stepping out. You say, but I'm comfortable on my pew here. That's exactly the problem. Step out from what's comfortable. Step out from what you can see. Step into the unseen. Musicians begin to play and our vocalists begin to sing. Would you lift your hands to Jesus all across this place? Would you begin to cry out to your Lord and Savior right now? Is a new and fresh anointing. Hear the Spirit calling you. young man. Come on, mom and dad. It's time for new depths in your walk with me. It's time for new depths in your family. the things familiar 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. to reach over and pray for the person with you right now we want God to complete what he started in this house there's some people it's got to be a change a whole change of perspective when you move from operating on what you see to operating on what you don't see hallelujah it's a change of heart a change of life thank you Jesus God I pray Lord let me move out of operating in the flesh Jesus and learn to see that which cannot be seen in the name of the Lord we pray in Jesus name here I am here I am 
God, you're great and greatly to be praised, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 amen. Praise God. Faith, faith is about the invisible. And uh, it, it takes uncommon people to be people of faith. I don't know if you've had this experience before where you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden you read a verse and you're like, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. It's this morning while I was... On the front porch, I was uh, reading my Bible, and this verse of Scripture just, like, jumped out at me, and I was like, have I ever seen that before? And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 
8 says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. And I thought about the impact of that verse. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Paul is saying people of God are different than people of this world because people of this world look at the things they can see now. They look at the things around them and the troubles that they're in. But he says we're different. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen. And then the word, we come in here and hear the word today. Very, very clear. The people of God are people who commit their lives to something that the rest of the world sees as foolishness. What are you even looking at? What are you even pursuing? I don't even see anything there. Like the treasure hidden in the field. Nobody else sees the value. The people of God recognize something that nobody else can see. Amen. That's what faith requires. Looking at things. Fixing our eyes on things that cannot be seen. Because the things that can be seen will pass away. Hallelujah. But when you operate as the word has given us today. God's given us a word today. Operating in the unseen. Operating in faith in God. Hallelujah. Amen. We move into places where God's power and anointing is, where God's favor is. Hallelujah. The world's never going to understand. Don't get frustrated because the world doesn't understand. They're not going to understand. You're staring at something and there's nothing there. You're focused on something and they can't even see anything. What's wrong with you people? What is wrong with you people? And just like Esau and Jacob, Jacob said, Jacob invested himself in something that Esau could not even see as value. Esau said, give me what I can see now. Jacob was looking beyond. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're looking for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. So while this world may be happy pursuing things that can be seen, career, and finance, building physical things, there's something in us that's pushing towards that which is invisible, that which is internal. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody amazed at the Word of God today and the depth, hallelujah, that God's calling us to? Praise the Lord. I know that there's still prayer. Prayer will be here Monday night at, uh, from, uh, uh, at 8 o'clock. And then Wednesday, uh, well, Wednesday we have our life groups. But prayer is here Monday night at 8 o'clock. And also each morning there are a group uh, or, or at least a person or two that gather from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock here at the church that you can spend some time in the presence of the Lord. And uh, I'll just tell you where, where I, what I have to do, where I am, what I have to do is if my relationship with God, God becomes very uh, perfunctory or kind of dry or I, I just feel like I'm going through the motions or as Brother McGovern said, I'm operating in the mundane. Uh, for me, in order to like shock, shock myself or get my system back to where I can pursue the unseen because guess what happens before long we find ourselves only focusing on the things of this world and the unseen things become less and less of a priority there's really only one way for me that I shock myself back into an appetite for spiritual things and that's through fasting 
And uh, so I want to encourage you. I know that uh, the members of our life group committed to take a day or at least a couple meal, meals during one day to push back the plate. And I remember reading uh, uh, in a book on fasting and then seeing it for myself that when my prayer, when my faith, even when my teaching and preaching becomes kind of dry uh, and my relationship with God and my spiritual pursuits become lacking, that a day of fasting or a couple days of fasting will kind of get everything right back in line because what's happened is we've, we've started to default towards the flesh. We started to walk by sight instead of by faith. Amen? Praise God. So uh, I want to encourage if you want to take a day this week and, and fast, push back the plate. It's not just about making yourself miserable. It's not just like, well, I'm going to make myself miserable for God today. It's about, it's about bringing the flesh into submission, under subjection, so that all of a sudden your spirit man and the appetites of the spirit man can come to the forefront again. And then like Paul, you can begin to look at things that cannot be seen. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for the word of the Lord. God bless you. I want to just uh, encourage you, encourage you, strongly encourage you. Choose one of these groups, these uh, men or ladies that stood up today. Connect with them. Say, I'm going to be there. I'm not just coming, but I'm going to be part of the team. We're going to fish together. We're going to reach people. We're going to love people. And uh, so uh, on, on the fishing boat I went on a couple weeks ago, Nobody came just for the ride. Everybody came to fish. So let's do that. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Amen. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Make sure you greet our guests today. Leave here rejoicing. And we'll see you soon. God bless. Don't forget sheaves for Christ today. Remember to pick up your children from the uh, Sunday school if you're a parent.